Theorizing that podcast audiences wanted to listen to two grown men talk about time travel, Nate Bowden and Brian Martin started a show dedicated to Quantum Leap. Together, they explore NBC's revival of the franchise, starring Raymond Lee and Caitlin Bassett, and its connections to the original series. They also examine spin-offs, such as novels and comics, as well as some mirror images in the form of television shows and movies that share creative DNA with the adventures of Sam Beckett and Ben Song. And so Nate and Brian find themselves leaping from topic to topic, striving to make sense of it all, and hoping each time that their next episode will be the one that goes viral. Oh boy, it's a Quantum Leap podcast. My name is Nate, and driven by an unknown force to podcast for the better, it's Brian Martin. It is. It really is an un. Hi, everybody. It really is an unknown force because we're not getting paid for this. It's the adulation. No, you know what? Yeah. It is actually really just very fun. The engine runs on sacrifice. <laughs> it runs on satisfaction. I don't know. Okay, I have a good yeah, time yeah. doing it, and you know, our audience is growing thanks to everybody out there. I don't know. It's just a good time. It's a good time. Whether I like the episode or not. (laughs) Don't get too far ahead of yourself, Nate. Sometimes the ones I hate are the most fun to record about. (laughs) That's good. So uh, hopefully that means you guys are in for a fun treat this evening. No, 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 no. I did, as I was saying before we actually turned all this on, I wrote more notes on this episode than any other that I've watched. I did not see that coming, but I also did, I think. Really? The notes I took are copious. <laughs> I like it when you take copious notes. <laughs> They're the sort of notes that you might ask somebody to borrow <laughs> because you weren't paying attention. Wow. That's pretty detailed. <laughs> yeah. So I watched it last night, let uh-huh. it just state a little bit, spent some time this afternoon organizing thoughts that I had, and then ended up having time to watch it again. Oh, okay. I'll be very interested to hear how that went for you. Because I wanted to have time to watch it again. Yeah. I really, really did. I'm glad that I did it. Also, I'm eating chips. Last Good. (laughs) (laughs) Good. If there's one thing podcast listeners love, it's when hosts eat crunchy things. Well, the host is the editor. In front of the mic. So if you hear any crunching, it's my own fault. (laughs) Just make sure it's well-timed. Like, I'm in the middle of some something really serious, and you just... No, I'll do my best. Uh, what was it the other one? I had a lollipop once. I did fine. Nobody heard my lollipop. Very little slurping happened, yeah. Let's dive into this thing, given the number of pages I've got here. Yes. Who accepted the nudge this week, Brian? Uh, it is May 15th. 1955, and Ben has leaped into Professor Henry McCoy. And before you get excited, it's not that Henry McCoy. (laughs) (laughs) It is not the uh, bouncing blue-furred beast of the X-Men. Also a genocidal maniac. (laughs) I just want to throw that out there. If you're following X-Men currently, you know what I'm talking about. I am not. He is Professor Henry McCoy. He's a visiting physics professor at Princeton, embroiled in a race to find a missing formula devised by none other than, get this, Albert Einstein, or or Al, as those closest to him know him as. that was interesting. Not only is McCoy tasked with finding this formula, he has to beat... Nazis to the punch. (laughs) Some of these things were good twists for me. I would say the stuff that you did not summarize, meaning the 2026 materials. Yeah, there's a lot that goes down in 2026. Absolutely, I saw all of that coming. And anybody that wouldn't probably hasn't watched television before. There are some things that happened in 2026 this week that I did not see coming. I will say that. Well, you and I are on opposite sides of the coin, my friend. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I don't know. Because one of the things I did not see coming, and this is getting way, way ahead of myself. Okay. Is that Jen, security chief of Project Quantum Leap, has never heard of Project Paperclip? I've got that written down, too. Let me scratch it off of my notes. I'm sorry? Yeah. (laughs) Here's the woman that knew about the drug trade of the 1940s. 
And she was not aware that Nazis were granted amnesty by the American government and brought here to work for that government after World War II. It is a widely known fact that Addison has to explain to Jen. Yeah. She has to explain it to us, the audience. Yeah. (laughs) The dark web expert security chief doesn't know about Project (laughs) Paperclip. Yeah. And it's just the product of okay, where do I throw this exposition in for the audience? It's very clunky. You know where a good place would have been? I don't know, maybe to Hannah. (laughs) Yeah, Ben could have told Hannah about that. Exactly, yeah. That would have been a better time to throw that in there. I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves. That is a note that I did make, though. That's ridiculous. I meant that sarcastically. Yes, most of the twists and turns of 2026 are telescoped. We see them coming. And and the things that we don't see coming, we don't see coming because who would ever think that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing that I started thinking, and I don't want to dwell on this too much, but I'm beginning to wonder if I just don't like Nanrisa Lee either. Okay, that's fair. (sighs) I don't want to say that because I'm sure there are things that she could be good in. And for a long time, I really just thought they weren't servicing this character properly. But she just might not be good at it either. Yeah, this was the first week I kind of had the same feeling. I just felt like I was disinterested in Jen because Nanrisa Lee was disinterested in Jen. I think Jen is, I wrote here... More useless and annoying in this episode than she's ever been previously. Early on, Jen serves as the hologram. And I really thought that I'd get a lot of use out of my gem and the holograms sound effect, but... You still can, because there are two holograms in this episode. That's true. (laughs) I think we're safe there. (laughs) But yeah, point being, early on, I thought she was all right. But Mm -hmm. they keep giving her these lines like, I don't have the numbers like Ian would, but I got to say it's crazy slim. When Ben is talking about the statistical odds of running into Hannah Carson again. Right. They just keep giving her these, is anybody else losing their mind over what, you know, like they're horrible lines. So I don't envy her. The one line that I did like was when Hannah shows Ben into the lab where Project Matterhorn is happening. It's an atomic energy testing grounds that's going on at Princeton and shows him this device. And she says, Professor, ready for a glimpse of the future? And Jen says, the future's a steampunk hamster Yeah, maze. that was good. Okay, I'll give her that. That was a funny that line. That was a funny line. <laughs> but largely, on the whole, yes. she gets all the shit lines. Again, I'm not going to attack Nan recently just yet. I'm a little concerned that maybe it's her as much as it is the character, but it's certainly the character. This episode does no favors to Jen, and I feel like it doesn't really do a lot of favors to Ian either. No, that's fair. The two of them together this week... I'm not here for it. No. We need to structure this. Do we want to go 2026 first and then come back to the leap? I'm... I'm going 2026. All right, let's do it. Let's get general feelings out there because we're starting out with 2026 and there's most of that I really don't like. But episode overall, what are you feeling? There's a lot in this episode I'm having a very hard time. Really? And that's why I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts on a second watch. I really liked this episode. Okay, I didn't want to start diving in on all the stuff I don't like because... There is a lot that I really liked about this episode this week. I will want to hear. Wow, about that's that. really. There's a lot. <laughs> this is this is shocking, shocking. <laughs> There's a lot I really liked, but everything I really liked about this episode is about Ben and Hannah. Yeah, but that's most of it. I know. But there's so much in this episode that in 2026, as we've said, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. No, that is just a, yeah. But it feels like everything that happens in this leap is just existing to convince us that Hannah and Ben belong together, right? Right. And most of the leap is carried out in service of that. But 2026 stuff. First of all, Ernie Hudson's not in this week's episode. Oh, God. He had to take a personal day. That's right. Which is fine. I don't think you needed to tell us that. No, you got to explain it away. Why is your cast member not in your episode? Yeah, I guess Give so. that throwaway so. line, man. So, Tom, who is there, 
quote unquote running the show this week. First line, he says, is we need a schedule to decide who's next on hologram duty. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is the dumbest thing I've heard. You don't need to say that out loud. It sounds dumb. Yeah. If they're going to play it like this, why wouldn't they adapt situationally? Or designate someone. Just make somebody the hologram. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, who's it going to be in this episode, guys, yeah. Tom said as he walked out. <laughs> That's right. I have that same note and put down under the subcategory of writing TV. And it, yeah, it's okay. like, <laughs> in reality, if this wasn't having to work within a cast, that facility would have backups, first of all. Sure. If Addison can't make it in that day, there's somebody designated to do that. Or... They'd be finding someone or they would bring someone in that's suited to this job. Like they wouldn't just rock, paper, scissors for who gets to be the hologram this week. And if you think we're joking about that, that's exactly what they do. Yeah. Yeah. It's a dumb idea that gets dumber in the next instant. You know, Tom's line, what it reminded me of, it's like when you see a bad improv comedy troupe that's given a topic and somebody feels like they have to inorganically set up what you're about to see verbally to get everybody yeah, in character. Yeah, it does feel like that. Ugh, God, please, just get past this. And then Ian and Jen rock, paper, scissors. Ian loses and seems upset about it. Right. And Jen seems really excited about being the... Getting to be the hologram. The hologram. Yeah. So everybody is talking about how serious this is. Yeah. This is obviously a very serious thing they're doing. You guys are fighting over this like you're trying to get picked first for kickball. You know what right. I mean? It's like... <laughs> I mean, I think it, they're trying it's... to get the levity of that work environment, like the swear drawer or whatever they had, the Leaper X game, or like these Which people was are great. friends and fun and whatever. The Leaper X thing is great. The rock, paper, scissors thing and the clunky dialogue yeah, the clunky make me feel like terrible. you're trying too hard. This was, again, as we've said about a few different instances this season... This is first draft kind of stuff. This is your placeholder idea sure. until something better comes And along. second draft stuff, it'd be a more serious issue where, all right, Jen, we're going to give you a shot at this for a while and see if you can be the hologram. And of course, we knew that it's not going to work. Ultimately, Addison's got to be the hologram again. And we assumed, yes, they're going to cycle through right. each of them and they're right. going to try and find out who can do it and nobody will be able to do it as well as Addison and we'll cycle back to that. And in the meantime, Caitlin Bassett is serving next to no purpose for three episodes in a row. She's just kind of sitting on the sidelines, and she's one of their star players. She's given slightly more to do this week because Tom has to contend with some emotional things from his past. Right. It's really her job (laughs) as his significant other is to provide comfort and solace and be there for him. And that's what she does this week. You can't do that with her every week. You can't just make her a doting girlfriend. She's tough. Yep. She's a strong woman. Yep. You can't have her do this every no, week. No, and she's got to, sometimes she's got to be in the gym, pumping iron. Yeah, working on those guns, man. If they were going to sideline her as the hologram, they need to have something because she's just too good to not have on screen. Yes. Yeah. So Totally agree. From that really clunky, dumb introduction, Ziggy pings Ben and then immediately loses him. It looks like there's some kind of system error, but suddenly Ian gets a text from an unknown number that says, do I have your attention? And this harkens back to a couple episodes ago when we found out that Ian commissioned the creation of a chip that is now broadcasting to some undisclosed location information about the project. Right. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you seen this kind of threatening text before? It goes back to season one and seeing Al's daughter as the bad guy kidnapper that's like giving the menacing phone call to the heroes just as she slipped right out of their grasp. I don't need this. I don't want this. The story is just so bland. I found the idea interesting when it was first introduced. And I would still be interested in it if it weren't for the fact that the character that texts Ian is never elevated in this episode beyond mysterious woman. We know nothing else about her, even though Jen and Ian 
clearly know more about her. <laughs> yeah, and she's the minor boss, right, of the video game. A sub she's the sub boss. Yeah. And why is the boss being hidden at all? Excellent. They know who he is, right? I mean, they had to have talked to him about setting up the whole thing. It's not like this right. is some this mysterious is same... character that we don't know in the shadows. He's This is a character who's being kept from us because we can't know who this person is yet. And it's the same sort of quote-unquote mystery that frustrated us in season one when Janice was being withholding mm -hmm. about all the information she knew. Right. When you have a mystery, but everyone involved is aware of... It's like a, not a mystery to them. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's only a mystery to us, the viewers. I'm like, this isn't fun. <laughs> Like, like, just tell me for God's sake. You're exactly sake. right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And to say nothing of the fact that they talk about it like, your employer made me this chip. Well, I find it unlikely that you've got a Norman Osborn up there that's both the CEO of this company and personally designed and made this chip. There was probably a team of people that have designed. Oh, sure. There can't be a huge secret around this quantum chip either. It's just a mess. And they go through all of the typical threatening phone call and the extortion of Ian. It funnels right into the relationship with Rachel, which I also very much hate. I do now. I do now. Yeah. Uh I did, I did not have a problem with the Ian Rachel stuff. Not really. I had a problem with Rachel's response to Ian in the previous. Yeah, that was dumb. Like two and episodes it made me ago. angry. Yeah. Now, the great thing about that is that they've clearly had time to get over it and they're kind of. Their love for one another is clearly shining through, yeah. but it yeah. leads to some very questionable decisions. <laughs> first, the first thing I'll say is Jen is aware of all of this. She's the head of security, and we talked on that before, how ridiculous it is that she's letting any of this slide. Look, at this point, I want to see her credentials. <laughs> I need to see Jen's credentials, me the viewer. <laughs> but when they're talking about that, and she says, Ian, you don't have to go through this alone. You know who you need to talk to. And my first thought was, Tom? Tom, of course, the boss. The boss. Is who you need to talk and to. And since he's such a great guy, I'm sure he'll, he'll understand. understand. Yeah, right. But no, it's, yes, of course. it's Rachel. Rachel is the person that Jen says that Ian obviously needs to speak to. And I'm beginning to think that Rachel might be a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> because she bolts out of the coffee shop because Ian withheld a government secret from her but loves them to death when she's asked to commit a criminal act that will ruin her life that could make her unemployable in her field and perhaps other fields but of, of course she'll do it because she loves you what yeah. so ian asks rachel <laughs> to jailbreak the quantum chip behind her boss's back and what is ian good at I don't like I don't understand. What why can't why right. can't either of them pull this off? Why can't Jen pull it off? Why can't Ian pull it off? Why does it have why to be Why does it have to be Rachel and why does Rachel say yes to that? What is this relationship? <sighs> yeah. It's all twisted and weird and wrong and stupid. <laughs> well, here's the other thing. We know that whatever happens isn't going to work. Yeah, it's not going to work out well. <laughs> <laughs> what we've got going on here between Ian and Rachel and now Jen and this shadow person who Rachel knows quite well. Yeah. Excellent. It's just a tug of war between these two sides, right? With now Rachel caught in the middle. And the issue here, as I know you're feeling, is that at this stage, I could not be less invested in this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, like, maybe you'll shock me next week and the week after, and you will find a way to make me less invested. Well, <laughs> but less but invested. as of right now, I don't see myself getting less invested in this. And I think the only interest that was peaked for either of us, if I'm not mistaken, is what do they plan to be doing with the data they're collecting? Exactly. Like, that's exactly. what I want to know. What is their intent? Like, Or that's what I would want to know if I didn't want this storyline to go away completely, which I would like. <laughs> but yeah. No, that's but I mean, exactly. that's the only compelling part of this. It's not Quantum Leap being held hostage 
or Ian being extorted. It's it's like exactly where a writer would go, like a, a hack writer, honestly. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's yeah. been done to death and it's right up there with Ben and Teller. Mm-hmm. Just yep. nothing new to see here. The thing that you really kind of want to know about would be to what end is this person using the data that they're collecting? And what does that data look like? It's like alternate histories and whatnot. I wonder. Or is it just the fact that they're tracking a person through time? Yeah. You know? Who knows? Anything. One would think if they're able to build a quantum chip, they must already be aware of quantum signatures. Or what this would be used for. Yeah. Like, who's going to design a chip strong enough to help you with your problem but not know what you're doing. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like what? You know? Do we know who wrote this episode? Yeah, this episode was written by Drew Lindo, who I believe wrote Someone Up There Likes Ben. Oh, that was and, serviceable. Uh, it's not a bad one. And what was the other one he wrote? There was another one he wrote. He also did yeah. Fellow Travelers. There you go. Which we also didn't like. Yeah. That's curious. I feel like the writers in the writer's room individually have interesting ideas and stories to tell, but somehow Mm -hmm. when they get together as a group to plan out this mystery box serialized story, it's just all the same stuff you've seen before. Right. It just feels like we're filling space. And if you take it all out, there's so much that could be added to the leap this week that would just elevate it because i really like it i like most of what happens in the leap i actually really really like it and even though we're going what probably 30 minutes into this 2026 storyline stuff yeah it really doesn't take up that much time this week it doesn't no no jen quits in the middle of the leap (laughs) just decides to stop being the hologram Leaves the imaging chamber in what was actually a pretty funny moment. Yeah, there was a good moment for that. Her phone dings <laughs> while she's in the imaging chamber. It's like when and, you get a text um, at the restaurant. Yeah. Ben's response to it. <laughs> you brought your phone in here? You brought your phone with you? <laughs> that that cracked me up. Yeah. And then she's like, I got to step out. And Ben is just left alone. She walks away. And Tom is immediately like, what's going on? As the boss of Quantum Leap, one would think he'd maybe stop her and ask her where she's going and what she's doing. Yeah, Jen's extremely cagey about it. There's a thing I gotta go do and just, like, walks away and Tom just kind of lets her go. Yeah. And that's the first of a couple times this week that Tom just abdicates responsibility completely. (laughs) You do understand that you're in charge here, right? (laughs) Didn't you want this job? I don't know if he did. You took all that stuff away. The episode is primarily a mystery and unraveling things, and you could always have another wrinkle to the mystery. Yeah, this episode is a puzzle box, and you're right. The most fun part of it is the treasure hunting. Definitely a good part of it, for sure. Yeah. After Jen leaves, Tom, who is a Princeton grad, evidently knows some secret information about the library and says they should go up and check the second floor. And Addison says, I can't go in there and be the hologram. What are you talking about? And then she runs down the checklist. Magic's out today. Ian and Jen, she says, are doing something. Like, is that okay with everybody here that Ian and Jen just went off and they're doing some clandestine thing? The two people who just played rock, paper, scissors to determine who's going to do their job today <laughs> are off doing something and we're cool with that? Like, yeah. come on. I know. I mean, it's a device to get Tom into the imaging chamber, which I believe set up an interesting dynamic. Now, do I, I... like the way that it happened? Maybe not. Once he was in there, there was a lot I liked about that. Yes, I would agree with that. One of the topics I have is Tom. Yes. Everybody loves Tom, and I don't think I hate Tom so much anymore. The time that he spent in the imaging chamber with Ben is more humanistic than anything he's had to do all season long thus far. He became more of a person in just the time that he spent interacting with Ben than he has at any other time where he was just a caricature of the best person in the world. (laughs) We were left with a Tom in this episode who hides 
fragility behind stoicism. And I don't think we would have gotten that, and he wouldn't have had that breakthrough as a person without being subjected to the familiar settings he found himself in in The Leap. Sure, yeah. Right? And it's compelling him to relive, to some degree, the experience of meeting and falling in love with his wife, who passed away from cancer. Those are the best moments he's had so far. And there are small things, like the nervousness of meeting Ben face-to-face, offering to shake his hand, like twice. Right, twice, yeah. Ben is very antagonistic towards him, and... Very. (laughs) Understandably so, but this man has been dating his fiance for eight months that he lost five days ago. So... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a scenario that no one can actually put themselves in. But yeah. that being said, Tom understands the awkwardness, understands that he has something to offer to the bin. And he really does. Yeah. <laughs> and in a lot of ways, he was the best hologram for the job. And of course, he should have been the one doing it all the whole time. Just to jump back to 2026 for a second, once Jen is done doing her stupid stuff... She's back, but he continues to be the hologram. Right. Jen shows up and says, whoa, Tom's being the hologram now? And it's like, the fuck were you? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He wouldn't have had to do this if you had just done your job, Jen. Right. You know, like, of course he is. Someone's ass had to go in there. You and Ian are off gallivanting around. Magic's out today. Addison can't go in. The doll guy is being weird. (laughs) So we have to send Tom in. Yeah. Of course he's in there. What are you talking about? But when he comes out of there and they have their little meeting, that's when she takes back over. But they don't do that because now the story is about Ben working with Tom. So shoo under the rug what would actually happen. That's about the time that they find out who the Nazis are. And Jen discovers that, yes, Nazis existed after 1945. (laughs) That's right. Aren't we in the wrong decade? Of course, I said exactly the same thing last week, so I'm not going to... Okay, fair enough. I've just got Dial of Destiny brain, man. Like, this stuff is fresh in my head. And I understand I was one of only maybe a couple hundred people who saw that movie. (laughs) But... (laughs) Well, as far as Tom's functioning this week, I think he served a good purpose. He was not at all annoying. No, not at all. Not at all. And felt like an actual person. They took it a step too far, in my opinion... To go as far as the tree thing at the end. Yes. The tree thing was too much. We didn't need we the didn't tree need thing. We didn't need that. That became television writing again and extra melodrama. By that point, we all got the point. In fact, I'm glad you brought up the handshake thing because the handshake is a really cool little bookend mm-hmm. between the time Ben and him first meet and the last encounter at the end of the episode. When Tom comes in, he introduces himself. Hi, Tom Westfall, Department of Defense, and holds out his hand, and Ben gives him a look like, oh, this motherfucker, you know? Right, yeah. At the end of the episode, he says, let's reset, Tom Westfall, you know, and he extends his hand again, and Ben looks at him like, still can't shake your hand, but it's a playful kind of look, right? Yeah. These two have reached an understanding. <laughs> I don't think that Ben likes Tom now or anything. No, it's just of course like, not. you know, okay, I understand you're a person. You can talk bad about someone, you can speak ill of particular types of people with particular backgrounds or what have you, but then you meet them and they're and people. you look them in the eyes and it becomes a human experience, right? And that's kind of what happened here. Of course Ben's not gonna quote unquote like Tom. <laughs> right. So we're still gonna get that stupid sexy flanders. <laughs> But the tree thing that we were referencing is there's an old oak tree there on the Princeton campus, and he and his wife used to sit under the tree and dream about their future together, and they'd look up at the initials that had been carved into those trees some 50 years ago. Which we see getting carved at the end of the episode, right? I agree that the tree was too much, and that's the reason I bring up the handshake, is I'm like, this is kind of the end of this part of the journey, and I don't know, think we needed a coda. Despite that, though, Tom says, you think your whole life's ahead of you, then 50 years later, someone's sitting under the same tree thinking the exact same thing. Our future is just someone else's past. Yeah. Early on when Tom appeared, we found out that he had a dead wife. I was like, oh, he could have ulterior motives here. 
I don't believe that anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't think that there is any part of him that feels like Project Quantum Leap could be used to further his own ends. Yeah, I think if we had to guess, the people that he works for in the Department of Defense will want to weaponize Quantum Leap, and he'll end up being some manner of tool to that end. And if any of that comes true, just point out the fact that People are writing things that we've seen a hundred times before. But I do like that sentiment. No, it is good. That's the second time this season Tom has delivered a sentiment that I found very, very fascinating. Sure. It makes me feel better about Tom. This whole episode makes me feel a little worse about Ben. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Because he makes decisions in this leap. Whether the universe is pulling him and Hannah together or not, most of his actions in this episode are performed and executed to try to see if Hannah likes him. <laughs> and I mean, likes him, likes him, you know? Mm. He is chasing Hannah, and he makes some questionable decisions throughout this process. And maybe it's because he's a little smitten. He finds her fascinating. He likes her for her mind. We talked about Ben initially getting into the accelerator for selfish reasons, right? It was not this altruistic thing. right? He wanted to save Addison, Because he wanted to be with Addison. Right. And I feel like maybe he hasn't learned anything (laughs) yet. Well. (laughs) Because I feel like now he's like, oh, I think I got a chance with this broad. You know, I didn't read it that way. I don't feel the same way about that. I I love them together. Like, I really do like the two of them together. I think they have great chemistry. Mm -hmm. I want to see more of Ben and Hannah. Absolutely, I do. And I'm fascinated by the idea of having a long-distance girlfriend. <laughs> really long-distance girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> right. Across time and space. I'm fascinated by that, but I just feel like the first thought Ben has in every new leap going to be like, what What year is it? Is Hannah here? <laughs> you know, looking around. No, that's going to be me as the audience member. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I cannot wait to see her again. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to Hannah showing up again, and I want to get there. I just think that some of the things about the leap that I that I would just overall say is that the mystery is fun. Mm-hmm. The idea of having a historical fiction is really fascinating to me because I don't believe there to be any truth to the fact that there were hidden plans in Princeton in 1955 and what have you. Sure, right. This wasn't something the original series ever played with or season one ever really played with where they played with what history could theoretically be like because we don't really know. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. I love those kinds of stories. And I like the fact that they're kind of puzzled by the notion that he would run into her again. But Mm -hmm. I really don't like that Jen said, maybe the accelerator thought you needed a friend. I think I missed that line. I must have been taking a note or something. Ugh. You didn't hear that? I don't think I heard that line. You were probably writing down the, the probability, the probability thing. thing because her yeah, like her next thing it. is like, they're crazy slim. Maybe the accelerator just thought you needed a friend. Yes, it's a bad line. I'm not going to get back on Jen about that. But, but they're starting to talk about the accelerator as having some kind of motivations again. It's a machine. Right. Ziggy is the consciousness, and she's not actually part of the accelerator. It's like if I got some bad chicken McNuggets. And I went up to the people at McDonald's and I said, hey, what does your deep fryer have against me today? (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it is. It is like that. (laughs) Surprisingly, I didn't think you were going to get there (laughs) when you brought up McNuggets. But yeah, what it really implies is that they're afraid to say God, fate, or time. Right. So they use the word accelerator instead. Why do they need to hide behind it? Just use time. You don't have to say God. I don't even want you to say God. I don't think of it as God. I prefer to think of it as, you know, time or fate or some kind of greater presence. Do you think that the writers are doing this to Jen on purpose to make her unlikable? (laughs) Well, that's kind of what I was driving at at the beginning. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, like I said, largely I was engaged in the story. Granted, it's really just the two of them working on it and the rest are pretty faceless. Yeah, they're just aggressors with the exception of Donovan, Dr. Carl Donovan, 
who we find out ultimately publishes Hannah's work in his name. Right. This very early, like right after we've been introduced to Donovan. And immediately I'm like, oh, so he's the bad guy. He is a bad guy. He's, you know, do we have time for more than one? I don't think so. I mean, he's kind of a dick, but it's 1955. Like, that's true. That's fair. I mean, they're all right. I mean, the very idea that she'd get anything published. Ben takes it upon himself to work with her on this project and what have you. Naturally. Yeah. I will. Because he likes her. (laughs) I mean, it seemed like a natural response to a situation where somebody's being slighted. And he does have a stake in this. Right. She is here specifically because of Ben. Right. Yeah. And so I think he sees that and thinks. I have a responsibility here because I already gave myself that responsibility. <laughs> you know? If the information came to light on any other character, that same type of information that he had no history with, probably see the same. Re- I mean, we're talking about Ben here. Yeah, it's fair or Sam, He probably would have you know, done the exact same, same situation. Yeah. Now, you know, it's an adventure. There's yeah. mysteries. There's clues. There's secret rooms and secret doors and decoding a secret formula from Albert Einstein and it's all this really cool kind of stuff and in the end maybe part of the reason that he's there is just to help Hannah get her paper <laughs> published yeah, right. you know we find out that I think Ziggy was right in that there was a 97% chance that Ben was there to make sure McCoy finished this whole mission to yes, retrieve certainly Einstein's stuff but ultimately the goal is to destroy it because we thought at the time that it was a solution to clean energy. Right. But it turns out that it's... Now, see, this is a little confusing. It turns out that it's a bomb. But didn't he already make that bomb? <laughs> Did he? And, and this, is, this is one of the things I was like, so Einstein in his waning days created this formula that he thought was going to lead to clean energy but was actually just another bomb? Was he, like, senile or something? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, Al, you you sure about this, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But as Jen observes, discovering the solution to fusion energy in the 50s would create the butterfly effect to end all butterfly effects, which is another line I did not like. And guess who delivered it? But she's not wrong. I right. mean, it would drastically alter the future. So you kind of know that that's, that's not, not the what's going to happen. Sure. Something's going to happen, but ultimately the goal is to destroy it and keep it out of Nazi hands. Right. And boy, Nazi hands are all over this shit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's great. I feel like it's great. I got a a big kick out of that. I was having a lot of fun with the mystery Uh and that little adventure. But after having watched it and letting it sit for a little bit, I was thinking like for the original series, like, Sam, you're here to make sure that Hannah gets recognition for the work that she puts in on this paper. Like, that would be the plot and his whole reason for 45 minutes of television would really be just to get this paper published. Yeah, you know what you wouldn't have seen in that episode? A sword fight. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You are 100% right. It would be like... And I'm not saying, I'm not knocking the fact that there's a sword fight in this episode. No, and that's why I say, like... (laughs) At all. That's sort of what I'm driving at is I would probably write that original series episode. And that's the kind of stuff I like. Very slow, very dry, I guess. But sure. Human drama. Meaty, you know? Yeah. Like there's a drama there and it would not go the way of Indiana Jones adventure. It would just be here are the obstacles that this young student runs into on the daily and maybe he needs to get this professor out of her life or something like that. This episode effectively, I'm glad you brought up Indiana Jones because this episode is effectively the first, I don't know, 25 minutes of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, right? <laughs> they have to go to a library. They have to tear up a secret door. They have to find a ancient document written in a language that nobody recognizes anymore. You know, it's like all of this sure, stuff. Yeah. And he's doing it all in the service of a man named what? Donovan. (laughs) (laughs) Probably by design. I don't think it's a coincidence. One of the things that I really like in finding this, you know, mystery room, when Tom, as the hologram, 
walks through the wall to look and see what's there. Yes. They finally used the hologram the way Al used to do that shit all the time. Tom is an extraordinarily effective hologram right out of the game. Yeah. Because not only is he walking through walls to find hidden passages, he is coaching Ben in real time in ways to disarm assailants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, here's what you want to do. You want to grab him by the wrist, push the wrist down. So when he fires the gun, it goes towards the floor. Yeah. He's a very effective hologram. Yeah. It's another reason to like him, too. Like, it could have easily been heavy handed where you're just like, well, of course he's good at all of this. But there's enough there, like the handshake thing. Or, like, mm -hmm. reaching for the book to pull a book down that he's like, oh, crap, I can't do that. You know, there's enough there that yes. he's not... Most of what he's doing is accidental, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, most of the good stuff is like, oh, he just walks through the wall. He's like, oh, yeah, let me go check if it's in there, you know? It's great. It's a great moment. One of the things that I saw on the rewatch is that the mystery really does serve the relationship that Hannah builds with Ben. It's done much slower and more organic than it feels like on a first watch. That's what I'm kind of feeling here, because, again, I didn't feel like it was completely organic. I felt like Ben was really overplaying his hand throughout most of it, so it might bear a second watch. I think watch you'd enjoy it on a second watch. Yes, they're short of time because of all the 2026 stuff, and a lot of that could have been extended some, but really, like, scene by scene... I really do feel like it's not out of the blue at the end that they have feelings for each other because they're N both no. very romantic about science. They have so much more in common than Ben and Addison do. Right, yes. Their hearts long for the same things, and they have great chemistry right away. Remember, it took us several episodes for us to actually believe that Ben and Addison had any kind of chemistry. And... Yeah. I just loved that interaction. I loved the callbacks, the fusion generator and the watch as a magnet. Yeah. You know, at the beginning, she plays it as a little game where she turns the thing on and it turns into an electromagnet, basically, and pulls his watch towards it. And later, these are also things that we've seen <laughs> in other media for sure, but she later uses it to... To disarm Donovan. Yeah. But what made it cute is that she says the same thing both times. Never gets old, mm. right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, she thinks it's fun. Yeah, it's cute. No, she's she's, she's cute infinitely she's likable. wonderful, yeah. She's just wonderful. Yeah. And right down to the moment that they realize they have to say goodbye. Yes. He does not believe that he's going to see her again. That this is just some kind of anomaly that they happen to run into each other. And she's got an idea about what quantum entanglement quantum entanglement yep. and so that's sort of the last straw for him like where has this girl been my whole life almost right and call back to the prior episode you think you're never going to see me again but i'm going to say see you later that's her you thing know, that's her thing and that begets ben to act on his impulses and they share a kiss at the end of the episode there's also that great moment right before Ben leaves and she's like, I just want to ask you one thing. Yeah, that's good too. And Ben obviously expecting her to ask anything about the future. You you could ask anything you want and she's like, what's your name? Yeah. And that, that's great. And he points out that that's incredible that you would even think to ask me that. Sure. And think of it from the perspective of someone like Ben or somebody like Sam, right? Nobody knows them. Yeah. You know, they leap from place to place and they have these experiences but they never get to share part of themselves with those people right right they have to remain mostly in character and what that must feel like for ben to be you know? somebody like that's, else that, yeah. that's that's such a tremendous moment and yeah that whole last scene is fire man like i thought that was great it is great and first watch i was kind of like she recognizes him already like in the first two uh, seconds uh, yeah. are you serious you know but the second go round, it's sort of like, yeah, you need there to be that see-through spark first. And right, it sets you up to allow the rest of the things to feel natural also, the way that they start to act together, the way that they get along. The only thing that is kind of a hiccup for me in that whole relationship and that whole, you know, blossoming of people coming together is 
her turning on a dime when he's trying to convince her that the code might be dangerous. She kind of turns on a dime and says, well, you wanted me to decode it and now you don't. I'm taking it and leaving. You know, like you just right. like saved each other's lives over this thing. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, she does. That really... was a little abrupt, but I feel like that's the kind of thing that is the product of. Well, we had to have Ian sit in the car with a menacing lady. <laughs> right. You know? Right. It's yeah. Just... It, but it also leads to the moment where Ben calls out. He's just trying to think, what can I do? What can I convince her to right. stop? Agent Robook. Yeah. Yells out, Agent Robert Cook. And she just stops dead in her tracks. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And this is where he has to reveal to her. Right who he is and how he knows what he knows. And I think that scene is also really, really cool. It's good. It's something we've never seen on Quantum Leap before, you know? Right. And it also... We've never had the opportunity to see, so... That is also the scene that is best assisted by that little spark you get at the beginning, when she already Mm kind of recognizes him. And when you watch it realizing that, it feels less ridiculous that she would just take him... At his word that he's a time traveler. Granted, he has all this information that, of course, how else would he know it? But nobody else could possibly know because it was all just incidental stuff that happened between the two of them. Right. Two different people. And I mean, we've accepted original series Quantum Leap to play with the idea of some people can kind of feel that Sam is different. Right. And I just get that same kind of sense with Hannah is that she was already kind of in on something is weird here and something is different. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel like it's done really well. And I do, if you were feeling like it was abrupt and kind of forced here and there, I kind of felt that way the first time too. The second watch, I kind of examined each scene and the dialogue back and forth really does slow it down enough that you really do see a relationship building the whole time. Okay. So yeah. I, I, I feel like it would be better served to get rid of a lot of that 2026 stuff just if we just, just wiped it from the board and stretched it out a little bit, then you'd probably get most of that on a first watch. Who's the young lady that plays Hannah? Eliza Taylor is her name. Yeah, so Eliza Taylor's work, along with Raymond Lee's, sells a lot of that. Sure. But yeah, I really enjoyed it and left thinking, I cannot wait to see Hannah come back. Yes, no question. Even my initial viewing leaving me a little bit deflated about it, that is one thing I am here for. Like, I want to see more of this. Yeah. And I want to know where that's headed. I think there's a a, a greater than 0% chance that Hannah is in some way related to whoever this mystery figure is in the future. Ugh. I don't like it any more than you do, Ugh. but I, I just feel like if they're being so cagey about it, it's got to be somebody related to someone we know, you know? Yeah. So I mean, and- maybe, but at the same time, all of these connections that we thought Martinez was going to have with people. That's true. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, it was nothing. Yeah, that's true. But there is, to me, like also the fact that this whole deal with the quantum chip and somebody spying on it and the boss thing, none of that was mentioned before we met Hannah. We just knew something dodgy was going on with Ian. So that history could have been altered in some way, is I guess what I'm saying. Mm. We'll see how that comes out. I don't see it shaken out that way, I don't think. I really hope it doesn't, but <laughs> like I hope I'm wrong. I feel like it's more, okay, so for Ben and Addison this year, they're going to be in a love triangle. What are we going to do with Tom and Jerry over here? Okay, okay well, <laughs> we've got got these two other characters. Well, what are we going to do with Ian and Jen this year? Let's make them the R2 and 3PO Basically, yeah. <laughs> so I feel like it's probably two stories. The notion that she might be kind of seeing through the magic is the first time that this series has attempted that. Mm-hmm. Is anyone ever going to see the hologram? Oh, we got to get, well, we, ha- we haven't had a lot of kids, have we? Kids can see. Dogs and kids. Yeah. And sometimes people can see. Good question. It'll be interesting to see if that ever comes up and whether they do that. Because the added wrinkle in the original series, not only could they see Al, they saw Sam. Right, they could see Sam. Yeah. But Hmm. that's not 
what's going on with these leaps. So definitely not because Ben has encountered children <laughs> in his leaps. Yeah, and it's not um, like all children always saw them. It was just no, some children no. had the ability to, like the ones that still believe in Santa Claus. That's it. That's it. The ones that are pure of heart. Yeah, something like which that. Which would not have applied to the kids in Stand By Ben. So we're off the hook there. Yeah. Those kids were all... They, They're they, also they a little lived. older, you know? They were. They were like teenagers. I'm wondering if anybody ever going to see through the mask, and if so, what do they see? It's also plays back to Ben and Teller, where he had the body of Ben in that episode. Oh, here we go. Yep, yep. But in this episode, He's got the limp. he clearly has the body of Henry McCoy, which I think is a good thing visually, right? I don't remember if the original series played with those things so much. I know that there was the episode where Sam was a, the blind guy who, and he wasn't blind. He had to pretend blind the whole episode until right. that flash bulb went off in his eyes and suddenly he was actually blind and he was like, that was the in concert that world. pianist. Yeah. The chopsticks. Yeah. One. <laughs> I feel like they're being really loosey goosey and arbitrary with that, obviously, throughout this series, whether he's inhabiting the physique and physicality of his leap host or is it just 100% pure grade A Ben, baby? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very, I would say, inconsistent in a somewhat frustrating way. Obviously, in Ben and Teller, it serves the plot for him to be not an elderly woman. Then just don't leap um, into an elderly woman. Right. And in this one, I think it's visually more interesting for him to have the limp. Sure. You know? Yeah. Like I think it's generally true. If there's a physical way for him to embody who he's leaped into, I think it's always more interesting to see that character embodying those traits because mm -hmm. it's just a constant reminder that you like, oh yes, he is another person. Yeah. And I think it's probably more fun for Raymond Lee. Oh, sure. What if he has a limp? And then for Bacula, it was more like, you're a guy that doesn't have a limp that's pretending that they have a limp. <laughs> right. Yes. Ben has now fought Nazis. He has escaped from uh, military Russia. He's been in a jewel heist and caught a drug kingpin as a bounty hunter and <laughs> been an FBI agent and a Western gunfighter. And like Sam's best episode was when he had to keep a job on the docks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a bit more exciting. Yeah, it's a definitely like an action-adventure show in a way the original was not. Um, <laughs> to keep his job on the docks. You know, he did have a mental disability yes, exactly. in that episode. So. <laughs> that is, it's a very special episode of a very special show. Yeah, but special in like it actually was a very good episode. It was. It was really um, good. We're talking about... Yeah. Um, Jimmy. Jimmy, yeah. The title yeah. of the episode is Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. I've actually had given this some thought, and I think he went to Vietnam. But outside of that, like, the most dangerous situation he was in was fighting Diedrich Bader <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as a biker. You know, when, we, come on. when we first found out yeah. he could do a roundhouse kick. Yeah, uh, that's true. So, I don't know. Yeah. Of course, there was that guy uh, that tried to kill him on the cruise ship. There was a gun involved in that mm. one, for sure. He pulled a gun on yeah. it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, Sam really got off easy. I think we can all agree that Mr. Never Came Home got off easy. Yeah. Does that mean that Sam is kind of a wuss? Who would win in a fight? Well, I think Sam would win in a fight. But <laughs> if, canonically speaking, leapers choose their own destinations... Until I have reason to believe otherwise, I'm going to assume that Ben is also choosing his destinations. He likes action movies. Remember that theory from a while back that maybe Ben was going through each leap to learn a specific set of skills right. to be used in one, like, mega leap? Yeah. You... What if at the end of Quantum Leap he has to fight a kaiju? <laughs> well, he's well on his way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, like I said, I can't wait to see Hannah again. It's the main thing that I take out of this episode. And we know that by the end of this season, Ben and Addison have to be back together, right? Uh, do we? Do we? Uh, maybe not. I don't know. I would have assumed like, so at the beginning. I would have assumed so at the beginning now, but I mean, I don't know if we're supposed to be rooting for that at this point. Right. I am not anymore, really. No. This Hannah relationship, and even... E 
much less so, but even a little bit, you can see that Addison and Tom have a lot more in common. Yeah. You know, it's sort of opposites attract with Ben and Addison, but maybe they really are splitting up. Are we really here for the will they, won't they, you and I? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, but now we're kind of rooting for won't they? Because if they bring, I don't know. Yeah, because if they do send Addison and Ben back together, then something has to befall Hannah. Hannah and Tom. Well, I can see Tom just leaving. (laughs) I really can. I mean, I can see him just sort of like, okay, well, that character's... You think he's going to be in next season? Like, I assume these people were brought on for a season. He's clearly not cut out for the job. Like, we talk about who can be the hologram and who can't. Well, let's talk about who can be head of Project Quantum Leap and who can't. Tom is not cut out for that job. (laughs) He has a problem with authority, and by that I mean doling out authority to subordinates, (laughs) which you wouldn't expect, but he's very passive about things. Even This is the other Tom thing that kind of irritated me. When Ben decides to reveal that he's a time traveler to Hannah, Tom is like, Ben, you can't do this. It's going to have potential impacts on the timeline, blah, blah, blah. And Ben looks at him and says, just leave me alone. And Tom just leaves. Yeah. I mean, what's he going to do like, otherwise, though? I guess. No, I I understand. <laughs> and I, He's just like, okay, whatever. I guess I'm powerless here. What he says is something to the effect of, this is a total breach of protocol for Quantum Leap. And I'm like, yes. You're talking to the guy that just like stole the Quantum Leap accelerator and leaped of his own volition. He didn't have any regard for what was policy. I guess he would have... What would have been better is if he would have said something to the effect of, hey, you stole my girlfriend. Don't talk to me about breaching things. (laughs) Yeah, definitely an opportunity for a dig there. But yeah, I think at the moment he was focused on saving Hannah's life and also unburdening himself, I think. Part of that is definitely, I also just want her to know. Yeah, I completely get Ben's motivation. I think, I just don't think Tom is a good head of Project Quantum Leap, but he's a very good hologram. He is. At least this week, he certainly was. So, I mean, I kind of like, would like to see him be the hologram, Magic come back as head of Project Quantum Leap, and... uh, Write Jen off the show. Oh, yeah, and then Addison takes Jen's spot. Yep. And every time Ian's like, oh, my God, do you want to gossip? And Addison's like, no, you freak. What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, something's got to happen with the peanut gallery over there. I feel like Jen's pulling Ian down at this point, too, for me. And Ian's a character I don't want reduced. Ian was one of my favorite characters in season one. It's not just and... Jen. The story that they've given them yes. is bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not going to serve them well. Being extorted and weak and... Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like it when you exploit characters who are supposed to be very good at stuff and make them look as weak as Ian I can buy that Ian would have made this deal to find Ben and is now kind of struggling with the repercussions of it. Right, I can see that. You could make the repercussions more interesting and maybe you will when we find out what the motivations behind it are but Jen, do something that makes Jen not seem completely inept at her actual job. Yeah. That's... That's what I need. I mean, well, what we really need is what we felt like they were cooking up towards the end of last season, which is put these people in a position to help Ben with the job. The scars. The rapier scars. Yeah, the rapier scars on Nazi cheeks or whatever. They wear it as a badge of honor. It's kind of a cool little clue there. And stuff like that needs to be brought up in Project Quantum Leap. That's the kind of thing that they should be doing. They should be coming up with ancillary information to give to the leaper they don't need their own story (laughs) they don't need their own story they need to serve the lead and the lead is ben jen should have known about operation paper (laughs) jen should have been the one to deliver that information to somebody i'd like to see the shooting script so i wonder if that's like (laughs) a like a day of thing where the director was like do people really know? I feel like we need to tell the audience. Can I just get you two to, um, you know, like I feel like maybe they saw that. Maybe they saw that review of Dial of Destiny I talked about on the last episode, yeah, maybe. where the reviewer was like, "The movie never explains why Nazis are bad." Oh my god! Uh, and they're like, "Well, we can't do that, guys. We got to explain to our 
dumbass audience why Nazis are bad. I did think it was really funny that when they're looking up the information about the rapier marks and everything, it turns out that Donovan has a tattoo that's just the SS bolts. <laughs> like, I'm like, could you be more of a Nazi? <laughs> Ooh, the Germans are mad at me. I'm so scared. Ooh, the Germans. Maybe if he had the Iron Cross on his chest and a swastika on his back, <laughs> it would be a little bit more obvious. But the, the SS bolts are, that's a, it's quite a statement to make. They open up the files and there just happens to be like this straight on shot of Donovan in his full Nazi uniform, like doing the <laughs> Heil Hitler with a some kind of speech and a gun in his hand or something. No, they're so big Stop and strong. It. Stop it, Mr. Burns. Pretending you're scared of us, Stop it. It was like photo day <laughs> in Nazi Germany. Yeah. Everyone wear your dress uniforms. <laughs> We're taking pictures today. <laughs> oh, man. Even so, even with that bit of silliness, like that kind of thing is what I enjoy Project Quantum Leap doing. Unraveling yes. these kinds of things. And, and that was a cool little, you know, flip of the switch and piece of the puzzle and i feel like it could have been revealed slower if they had more time mm -hmm. to do it yeah all in all brian hated this episode and i loved it so <laughs> that's a first is that yeah a first? that is that is unusual. that's a first isn't it i think so this is right now having only seen it once number five on my list wow probably. really like all time have, uh, of this out of six season, out of six episodes, this is my this is second from the bottom. Oh my god, you're kidding me! So I'm gonna watch it again. So Lonely Hearts Club is number four on my list. How many are there? Six now. Six total episodes. And that's so it would be Ben five? and Teller, then this, then Lonely Hearts Club, then you know what it is. I bet it's my love for romance movies. That could be There's enough it. of this really working for, for me in that regard because. I'm putting it right there next to the other Hannah Carson episode. I feel like the premiere is still the best. Mm -hmm. And then the aliens and the Nazis. Cl closure Encounters. Closure Encounters. And, then, and what was the name of this episode? This episode is. Didn't even say that, I think. Titled Secret History. It's a little on the nose. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Like, where's the puns, where's the guys? Pun? Where's the dad jokes? At some point, we're going to rename all of these episodes. But yeah, okay, so Secret History and Closure Encounters are like neck and neck for two for me, I think. They could have called it something like Jersey Ben and the Diary of Einstein <laughs> or something cool and adventurous. Maybe in one of our finale episodes, we're going to go through these and like rename these titles. Oh, man, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's right up there for me. I really enjoyed the uh, blossoming relationship between these two characters. I'm going to give this a second look. Also, something I didn't mention, but that stuck out to me, and I don't know if maybe it was just the way I watched it. This episode was very dark. Like, as far as how it was lit, hmm. like, I would say a solid third of this episode was really hard to see, to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I mean, just like looking at it, I'm like, where the hell is everybody? There was a point at which I paused it, and it was like a black screen, and I thought I had accidentally turned the TV wow. off. Wow. <laughs> like, I did not notice that in viewing. You're having said that, though. I do get what you're saying. Like, when they're outside on campus talking to the police, or at the end when they're looking at the tree, and they're obviously lit much differently. This was a clearly a, a creative choice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The point is, I'm going to give it a second look. I hope that you do. And, and I, when we come back and do a reassessment at the end of the season, I'll uh, figure out if it ranks higher than it does for me this right is now. Like it our... wouldn't take much to nudge it in that direction, because I did really like the Ben and Hannah stuff a lot. Yeah, and that's the bulk of what the episode is, and, and I'm a sucker for that crap. Well, folks, uh, thanks for listening. Hey, why don't you let us know what you thought of this episode? You can shoot us an email at oboyqlpod at gmail.com. Did you love it? Did you hate it? What about that Jen, huh? Mm. Tell us all about it. Remember to subscribe to the feed so you never miss an episode, and be sure to review the show and tell all your Quantum Leap-loving buddies about it. 
We're also available on YouTube in an audio format. And you can like, comment, and subscribe there as well. Find us on social media if you dare. You might need one of those quantum chips. <laughs> <laughs> like like Ian got. You need a black market quantum <laughs> chip to find Nate on social media. I am slightly easier to find. I'm at Captain Burn, C-A-P-T-N-B-E-R-N on Blue Sky. Yeah, but how are they supposed to find you if they have to be invited to use it? If you've been invited to use Blue Sky, you can find me there. And, but then otherwise, good luck, buddy. Have to accept them as a fr- like I don't know how that thing works. It works just the same way Twitter does. You just got to get your foot in the door first. Uh, all right. Well, anybody out there on Blue Sky want to send me an invitation? Then be- <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in two weeks after a hearty Thanksgiving. Until then, guys, I'm Brian. And I'm Nate. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll be here in the waiting room. Happy Thanksgiving, Brian.